Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So, where is risen? You are alive, amen? If you're in Christ, you're alive, and uh, you'll just fall asleep, you're not going to die again because of what we celebrate today. And we celebrate Resurrection Day. Resurrection uh, Sunday is our victory. And uh, you can see with me here, uh, this is why Jesus came. John eleven twenty five. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. So Jesus was prophesying. This was before the cross, if you know the, the story of how John works. And it says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. I don't know about you, that's good news. Amen? That's good news. I was uh, attending a funeral on Thursday, and this verse was also uh, used to minister to the people there. But whenever you go to a funeral, you sort of, uh, you're faced with your own morality. Like you realize that you're not going to be here forever. And um, we know that life is short, but um, like with raising toddlers and babies, the days are long, but the years are, the, year, the, the days are long, but the years go quick. And I don't know how that works, but uh, you, you think like, how am I going to get to the end of the day? And then before you know it, they're turning one and they're turning two and Jordan will be turning three this year. So uh, it's really, um, for us, again, it's a celebration Sunday, but it's also like just a question, like what are we, what are we busy with? And um, while I was preparing... I had to prepare a lot of messages recently. Yeah. <laughs> I've been busy. I mean, we've had the conference, so there was two, two services. And um, on Friday, we had some nice t-shirts for the Dream Team. And when the lady who printed the t-shirts, she said, Mr. Venning, please, next year, would you give us some more time to get them printed? And I said, I'm sure you asked me that last year as well. <laughs> because we had an amazing conference. And then after the conference, I realized, wow, okay, Easter is on Friday. So... Uh, so we have to get going. So it's been good. We've seen a lot of you for a lot um, recently. And it's awesome to be together with the family. But um, yeah, the point I'm making is we've been building up to today, really. And uh, I know that when Easter comes, I want to build up to a crescendo, if you will. And our series on the much more life has been really, um, even in my heart and when praying about it, was really, Lord, how do we set up for Easter? And I mean, those messages in themselves will minister to you. And I've heard good feedback of uh, turning to idols, from idols, not to idols. Um, and uh, that's one of the messages that you can find online. And then we said, um, I can't even remember all of them. But there's, there's some good teachings out there about people looking for more out of life. There's got to be more to life than what we see, more to life than what we experience, more to life than um, yeah, just living for your next paycheck. Amen. And really, I, like today, when, um, when I prepared the message, I was like, this is it. This is what it's all about. And we're going we're gonna to get there. Amen? So I want to start off with Matthew 1. Matthew 1 is very interesting. Matthew 1 speaks in verse 1 and says, This book is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's Matthew 1 verse 1. And then if you can do math or you can count, you'll quickly see, if you go into detail, that there's a bit of a discrepancy. It seems as if the Holy Spirit cannot count. Okay? So the book says the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Then we jump over all the list of names to verse 17. And it says, so all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ 
are also 14 generations. Okay, so we're just reading scripture here. Now, I had to quickly put the table together with the names. So, um, if you can put that up for us, please. So, it says from Abraham to David, it's 14 generations. Okay, so we can look at all the names and you can count them. You can just move on this morning. We don't need to go into the detail of what that means. And then it says from, from David to Babylon, the exile, is another 14 generations. So, we have David's son, Solomon. And now Solomon to Jeconiah is where they go into Babylon. And you can see again that that is 14. And then it says, now from Babylon unto Christ, there's another 14. Okay, that's what Matthew 1 verse 17 says. But if you count, then Jesus comes up as number 13. So is the Holy Spirit dyslexic, struggling with math? Or is there something in there that, that, that is giving life? Is there something in there that we should take note of? And I want to say that one of the, one of the solutions to, to what we see on the screen is that Jesus was born twice. Jesus was born from Mary, but then Jesus rose. And he was born from the grave, if you will. And then you get Jesus before the cross, and you get Jesus after the cross, and there's Jesus the Christ, and you come to 14. Which is awesome because then it says we are now in Christ. So we are then the last generation. And you are now in Christ, and you're not in the Christ before the cross, because that's number 13, but you're in Christ after the cross, the resurrected Christ. You are part of the resurrected life of who God has planned for Christ to give. I don't know about you, but that that blesses me, because it means that we're on a different realm than David. You're living in a different sphere than Abraham. And even Jesus said to the Israelites, you think you're sons of Abraham, but you're not free. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. So where is the Spirit of the Lord? Well, it was on Jesus. Yes, Jesus was baptized by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Where Noah parked the ark. We don't know where it was, but he parked the ark and he sent out a raven. And the raven came back with nothing. Then he sent out a dove, and the dove came back with nothing. And then he sent out the dove again, and the dove came back after seven days with an olive branch. And then no one knew that there is life. But olive is also a sign of peace. And then Noah sends out the dove again, and the dove doesn't come back. Or does he? The dove comes back the day Jesus is baptized. And John sees, I see the Holy Spirit as a dove coming on Jesus and abiding. Amen? So what was planned from Genesis is now realized, manifested, and actually achieved in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove is roaming about, like Genesis 1 says. And after Noah, we see a repeat. And the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove is still roaming, looking for the Holy One, the Son of God. And only when the Holy One, the Son of God, arrives... Does he come and he doesn't go away again? He stays. He abides. But that then is the, 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 the Son of God. Hebrews 10 says, A body you prepared for me. Why? So that I can go sacrifice that body so that I can be resurrected and so that I can now pour out the Spirit. So salvation really for us, and we said this on Friday if you weren't here, salvation is not just at the cross. 
And we celebrated the resurrection already on Friday. I mean, if you see the awesome picture here and you weren't here, you're wondering what that is about. That was awesome. <laughs> like, that was, that, that was just the ministry happening to us and, and, and showing us in a way visually that God turned what was wrong upside right. What was upside down, He turned right side up. Amen? The world is still upside down. The world thinks leaders are on the top. Jesus said, no, leaders are at the bottom. Leaders are leading, working, carrying everyone who is following you. They're not serving us as leaders, but leaders should be serving people. You see how even in that just small example, we need to see that God's kingdom works different. But I know about Jesus blesses me. It means that there's, there's more than the earthly ministry of Jesus. Because there is a second birth, if you will. Now, why is that important? Now, I want to share with you that resurrection of Christ is of utmost importance. Because the word says, and we'll look at it, if Christ did not rise, then we are of all men most miserable or pitiful, depending on the translation. Why? Well, there's a few reasons. Okay, one reason is, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then Jesus is a liar. Because Jesus said that he would rise from the dead. So if Jesus is a liar, we have a big problem because we believe He is the way, the truth, and the life. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then it means Satan wasn't defeated. The word speaks about the last enemy, which is death, which is obviously if Jesus makes all enemies under His feet as a footstool, then death should be included. Now death is the one equalizer, one of them in life. You can be the richest guy, the poorest guy. If you die, you die, because we're all going to die. No, some of us will just sleep. Amen? So I don't know where you are with your morality. If you're afraid of dying, I mean, I don't look forward to it, necessarily, because the body is weak. Jesus didn't look forward to dying on the cross. But for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now seated where? At the right hand of the Father. Why is He seated at the right hand of the Father? Because he endured the cross despite the shame, and he died in his body, and now he is resurrected as the risen Christ, the King of the universe. So 1 Corinthians 15 speaks about this. So we see in verse 3 here, and we're gonna we're gonna go down in detail, we're not gonna jump around so much. It says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's important. Now, did He die in the Bible and not really know? The Scriptures foretold that Christ would die, and He did. That's what Paul is writing to the Corinthians there. He says, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, also according to the Scriptures. So he says, guys, this was prophesied in the Old Testament, but now it happened. So we're no longer looking towards the Messiah's coming like the Jews of our day. No, we see that it was prophesied and He did come and it is now a reality. Okay, so the resurrection life is now available to others. It says, and then He was seen of Cephas or Peter and then of the twelve. And then it goes on and says, 500 others saw Him, etc. We jump to verse 12 and it says, Now if Christ is preached that He rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? So Christ has come, and Christ is resurrected. What is our message? We preach Christ and Him crucified. We preach the 
cross unto some it is foolishness, but unto, to those who believe it is the power of God unto salvation. But that we don't preach Christ dead. We preach Christ alive, but we preach the cross. So we preach the fact that Jesus did come according to the scriptures. He did die as the scriptures foretold, and he was buried, and he rose again. But if you've ever watched the movie Risen, if you're looking for something to do today or tomorrow, that's a good movie to watch because it just gives you um, a different perspective. It tells the, the, the resurrection story from the eyes of a Roman centurion or soldier. And it just gives you a perspective. Like, and I mean, even today, you can, it, it, is a, it is an accepted fact that Jesus died and that he rose again because of the number of eyewitnesses that testify to that. I said it on Friday that there's more evidence that Jesus died and resurrected than that Caesar existed. Historically, that's a fact. Okay, but why is that important? Now, even we look at doctrine, and Paul speaks about doctrines that lead us astray. And one of the doctrines that Hymenaeus preached that led people astray was that the resurrection had already happened. And he said many were led astray by that. So it's not the resurrection of Christ. He's speaking about the resurrection of believers. Because that's really the context of 1 Corinthians 15. He's giving us the picture of the hereafter which will help us to not fear death. And then also, how do we look and how do we mourn, if you will, how do we greet the questions raised by loved ones and others we know that, that, that pass on? And the resurrection is the answer. Because if Christ didn't resurrect, then we would not. But now because He did, we will. And that's really the context of what we're looking at. Verse 13 says, But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Okay, so if there's no resurrection, then we have a problem. Because then Jesus is still dead. And if Christ is not risen, then is our preaching vain or futile, and your faith also then vain or empty. So he says if Jesus did not rise, then what we preach and what we believe is nothing. You see that the resurrection really then is pivotal to our faith. The resurrection is pivotal to our message. Because we preach Christ and Him crucified, but no longer dead. Yes, He was crucified, now He's risen. And He's ascended, and He is seated at the right hand of the Father. So we need to bring all of this together, because He died for our transgressions, but He was raised again for our justification. He was raised again to give us life, if you will. Now, vain there means empty, like the King, New King James says, devoid of truth. If you look at the Greek, it also speaks of without purpose. So if we preach and Jesus is not risen, then our preaching is without purpose. If we preach and we don't preach that there's life hereafter, then our faith is empty. But one of the, 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 the footnotes there in the Greek lexicon said it beautifully. It says, then it is without a gift. If it's vain, it's empty, it's without a gift. I was like, wow, that's beautiful. Because when we preach, we want to present the gift. When we believe, we believe in a gift. And what is the gift then? You see, if you, if you don't agree with me, then welcome. We don't hear a message of what we should do. We don't hear a message. We, we, we might hear that message, but that's not going to do anything for you. The message that you should change your life, the message that you should clean up your acts, the message that you should come to God, that doesn't change anything. That's vanity. But the resurrection brings with it a gift. The message of the resurrection is a gift from God. So what is the gift? Because we believe our message is not empty. It's not without a gift. So it's not without a gift. It is 
with the gift. So what is the gift? Let's go on a journey, anyone with me? I've given you now this map, and I say we're going to go treasure hunting. So you all have a torch and a compass, and I'm leading us on this tour. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, so what is the gift? Verse 16. For if the dead is not risen, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ is not raised, then again, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. Okay, so he's saying a similar, similar thing, just two, three verses on. It says in verse 14, if Christ is not risen, then is our preaching vain and our faith empty. Now in verse 16 and 17 says, for if Christ, if the dead is not risen, then is Christ not raised. So it means he's dead. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is vain or empty. It's without a gift. And you are yet in your sins. Okay, so there's the first clue. If Jesus is resurrected, then we're not without the gift. If Jesus is not resurrected, then we still have our sins. So what is the gift? It takes away the sins. In what? Resurrection. So He paid for your sins on the cross. But He doesn't just give you a clean slate and you start over and you mess it up again. No, He's paid for your sins and now you're a new creation. Now you're a new creature. The old man is cut away. The sin nature is no longer with you. It is nailed to the cross. And we spoke about that on Friday. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is empty. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. So he's giving us... He's, 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 I love the way he's, he's like write, writing a debate. He says, if this is what you say, then this is the consequence. But if this is what we believe then. This is the consequence. So he's putting it very nicely into almost two, two tables. He said, then they are perished. Verse 19. If in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Let's pull up the handbrake, take off the caravan, and let's just camp here for a moment. So he says, if we in this life only have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Pitiable, that's a big English word, huh? Most miserable, the King James says. So what does that mean? Well, for what? It means Jesus didn't just come to make you healthy and wealthy. Because where's that? It's in this life. So he says, we believe in Christ not just for this life. No, we believe in Him for this life and the life and that's really the much more life. The life, much more life is not just living for this life. The much more life is living for more than this life. It doesn't say that Jesus is not going to take care of you in this life. No, it says He does, but there's so much more. He wants to heal you. Of course He wants to. But He also wants to see you live in eternity with Him. You can see someone die, but die from cancer, get healed, and not get saved. Then we are most miserable, most pitiable. Because why? We're not then going to live the life we're after. Verse 20 says, but the truth is. Okay, so now he's, now he's sort of choosing a direction. He's saying, if this is true, then this happens. If this is true, then this happens. But the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead. Amen? It's settled. The debate is over. But now we're going to go and see what are the consequences. As the first fruit of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. Amen. What a, what a power statement. 
So if you plant millies, maize, and you got how many hectares of maize, and you take, let's, let's not use maize, blueberries, something close to home. So if you get blueberries, and you have a blueberry, you have tunnels full of blueberries, and we have three blueberry plants at home that we got. We got two as a gift, or one as a gift, and I thought, like, well, we need a trinity, so we bought another. And, and they're not all blooming at the same time. I don't know, like, the one is really struggling. I've moved it around, and it seems like it's dying. I need to some resurrection power there. But the one of them really blossomed this year for the first time, and it was the first to produce fruit. And then also there was fruit that were ripe on that tree before some other fruit were ripe on the same tree. So what is first fruit? It's the first of the fruits. Okay. So I know it's long again, so I don't want to make it too difficult. <laughs> so if we have the first blueberries on this tree, and that is the first fruits, what are the second fruits? And the third fruits? And the fourth fruits, it is the same or similar blueberries of the same tree. So Christ is the first fruit, not the only fruit. Okay, this gets people nervous. Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruit. Of those who have fallen asleep. So what it says here is that those who have fallen asleep or are going to fall asleep, they will be raised as Christ was, as the second, third, and whatever number you are, fruit. But it's not different fruit. It is the same as the first kind. Because the word says that Jesus is an express image of the Father. That's one of the recent messages that I did and that I listened to again last this week and was super blessed by. He is an express image of the Father. It doesn't mean he's a copy of the Father. Some people preach it like that. If I give you 200 rand notes, the one wasn't photos, photocopied of the other. That's a copy as we understand it. But an express image, an express exact copy is two of the same kind. They're copies of each other, but they're two of the same kind. Now, if we take money and I say this hundred rand is the first fruit, and the second hundred rand is the second fruit, is are they different? Are they different in value? Are they different in what you can accomplish with it? So are they different in power? So we sing a song, I've got resurrection power, but did you know what you were singing? Living inside of you. Amen? You can do more than you can, than you think you can, Christian. Amen? We're not making Jesus less. But 1 John 4, 17 says, As He is, how is He? Is He dead? Is He on the cross? Is He walking in Galilee? No, He is risen. He's resurrected. He's ascended. He is in authority. As He is now, so are you in this life. But that's not all there is. Because if you only believe you're going to have superpowers here on earth, then you're all men most miserable or pitiable. Pitiable is like shame, like they really don't see the full picture. Because we have what we need here, but we're also going somewhere. Because we're living in an eternal state. 
He is the first fruits of all who will sleep, not die. The first part of the harvest is called the first fruits. Jesus' resurrection is the first fruits of those who will be raised in resurrection power, never to die again. Verse 21, I'm reading the Young's literal translation, says, For since through man is the death, also through man is a rising again of the dead. For since by man came death by man, also came the resurrection of the dead. As, as he is, so are we. Why? Because as we were, so was he. As he is, so are we. Why? Because as we were, so he became. He who knew no sin became sin. He who wasn't a sinner became like a sinner so that we could be the righteousness of God. Not by yourself, by the way. Where, is, where are you the righteousness of God? 2 Corinthians 5.21 In Christ. In the resurrected Christ. In the 14th generation. Not the 13th generation. Because the 13th generation came as man to die, but the 14th generation was resurrected to live forever. So the Holy Spirit did not make a mistake in counting. He's just showing us there that if you dig for it, that there is more to life than Jesus before the cross. So we praise Jesus for what He's done. But I want to praise Jesus like they do in Revelation. Not like they do on the way to, to Jerusalem saying, Hosanna, make Him king and tomorrow we crucify. We praise and we live according to the power of the resurrected Christ. In Him we live and move in have our being. Verse 22 says, For even as in Adam all die, so also in the Christ. Say, the Christ. The Christ. Not many Christs. No, the Christ. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Who's all? All that believe. Okay, it's not all, all. It's all that believe in Christ. All that receive that power. All that accept the gift. What is the gift? Well, it's many things. It's resurrection power. It's life eternal. It is the forgiveness of your sins. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is acceptance, adoption into the family of God. That is so much of the gift. But if we don't have resurrection, we don't have the gift. Because the word says so beautifully, and we'll look at it now in a moment, like unless the seed of grain falls to the ground and dies... It cannot bear fruit. But if it does, what happens? It bears much fruit. So Jesus came as a seed and he died in the dust. And now he is risen as the first fruits. But that tree has got many fruit. And if you're in Christ, you're part of the tree. So you're bearing the same fruit as Jesus did. Or still out producing. So we are not of Adam. Listen to verse 45. We're jumping up. Down some. It says, And as so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a life or a living soul. Nothing about the spirit there. That might challenge your doctrine a little bit, but let's move on. The second Adam, or the last Adam. I love the last because... 
you and I are not, there's not going to be another Adam, a third Adam. The second Adam is the last Adam. Amen? There's no other plan than Jesus. Jesus is not going to die again. Hebrews speaks about it clearly. He was portrayed before your eyes as dead and arise. If you don't take that, I've got nothing more to give you. That is the message of salvation. If you don't take that, like I've preached the gospel unto you, all I can do is I can preach it again. But I cannot add to it. I cannot, I cannot color it in. I cannot take you places. Because that is the doctrines of devils. But it says here that the last Adam became what? Not just a living spirit, but a life-giving spirit. So Adam was so self-centered that he ate of the tree. But the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus came and died on a tree. Right? That's so that he could now give his life, which is the spiritual life. So the first Adam, or Jesus thing, very interesting in Matthew 1, it doesn't go all the way back to Adam, does it? If you want to study it out, then you can. It goes back to Abraham. It's not the message for this morning. Let's keep on track. (laughs) So the first Adam was a living soul. God breathed into his nostrils and he started to breathe. But the second Adam now brings something different of a different dimension. He brings a life-giving spirit. Verse 46 says, Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual. This is so good. But that which is natural. I know this will bless you because we've spoken about this. And afterwards, that which is spiritual. So the first Adam was natural. The last Adam was spiritual. But we needed the first natural to have a house, a tent, a tabernacle for the spiritual to indwell. So that's why you and I receive Christ and we're still walking around. And you're still looking the same. Similar. Hopefully your shoulders are up and you smile and your eyes are shining because Jesus is alive. Amen. Jesus is shining and living in me. I used to be dead, but now I'm alive. I'm alive. Saved by grace. I used to be a wretch, but now I'm son of God. But we still house the spirit in the flesh. For now. And that's the message this morning. Not forever, just for now. Now verse 47 says, the first man is of the earth. Earthy. That's not a color, that's dust. <laughs> it's not earthy tones, it's of the earth made of dust. And you can James takes us there. It says, the second man is the Lord from heaven. Man and Adam is interchangeable. The first Adam was dust. The dust man. The second Adam is a man, the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. That's verse 48. So was the man of dust. So also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those which are heavenly. Now, I don't know about you. We were all born... Dusty. But some, I hope I'm saying present company included, if you're not sure, can speak to us afterwards, because I don't want you to die in the dust. I want you to live in the stars. Because of the resurrection power of God, Abraham has two groups of children, I believe. The first is of the earth, as many as the sand, the dust of the earth. But then those who receive the resurrection power, the life of God, through the gospel, the message of revelation, now are no longer just living souls in the dust. Now now they became life-giving spirits through the one who came from the spirit into the dust and died and now is risen again and resurrected. 
And he is now the first fruits of those who died in the dust and became stars, shining lights in heaven. And you and I are now fruit of his death, not my death. And because I, you're joined into the crucifixion of Christ, 2 Corinthians, uh, Galatians 2, it's no longer I who live, but Christ now lives in me. Jesus said in John, he said, without me, you can do nothing. Because you're going to muddle in the dirt and puddle in the dust. But I called you to be more than living for this life on earth because this is a dust puddle. But I called you to be stars. I called you to speak as it is in heaven. So there be on earth. How is it? Forgiven. Life. Spirit. Hey guys, you live, you, you're dabbling in the dust and trying to have the biggest mud house. It's all going to burn. Come live in the kingdom around. Come live in the spirit life. There's got to be more to life than having the biggest dust puddle house. There's something eternal. Ecclesiastes speaks about it 3 verse 17 so beautifully that eternity is in the hearts of man. And then it says, no one can understand the earth, the end from the beginning. Do not take that verse. Interpret that verse from the new and says, Jesus is the end. From the beginning. So what Solomon did not understand, we now do. Eternity is still in our hearts, but now we understand the end from the beginning. And guess what? There was one Adam in the dust. Jesus came as he was, so that we can be as he is. Now we are not just living spirits. That would be good, eh? But now we are carrying the life-giving Spirit. So Jesus just didn't come to just make you alive. Then my son runs out the door. Because <laughs> my wife is on her way. Such good news, he gets on mission. Amen? <laughs> Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy or dusty. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earth, such are they that are also on the earth. And as is the heavenly, such are they. Not him. But they. Verse 48. Those. Them. They. Us. As he is, so are we in this life. Yes, we're still living in our dusty earth suits. But we are carrying the Holy Spirit power of God. We have a message of salvation that gives hope not just for this life, but life hereafter. We keep our eyes fixed on what is above. Not what, what is below. And He has come. We have borne the image of the earthly. We also shall bear the image. The hundred grand notes. As Christ was the express image, should have had money here, it would have made such a bigger impact. Next time. So nice of it, isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit told me to bring money this morning. I should have listened. Now only one. First hundred grand note. Now Jesus comes, express image, second hundred grand note. Now shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Praise God. Amen. 
Christy said it the other day, and I've been thinking on it ever since, that Christ is a picture of our intervention. The risen Christ is a picture of our full potential. As He is, so are we. So also is the resurrection of the dead. Verse 42, we're going back a little bit. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. Jesus, even his death was dishonorable. It was a cross for criminals. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. What is that? Jesus said the flesh is weak. Jesus died in the flesh. But it is raised in power. 14th generation. It is not weak but powerful. It is not corrupted. It is incorruption. It is not dishonorable. It is glorious. Verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. We see it in Jesus. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Sometimes we have aches and pains and struggles in our dust suits, don't we? feel like we need a little lubrication in some of our joints or... I went to the driving range yesterday and I felt like I hadn't been here in a while because I haven't. So you can feel it. The dust suit was feeling it. Amen. But the spirit was willing. <laughs> and it's fun. Amen. Verse 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I will tell you a divine mystery, verse 51. Not all of us will die, but we will all be transformed. So whether you die, you're going to have a new body, transformed, spiritual. And if you haven't died, by the time Jesus comes, you're also going to be transformed. From corruption into incorruption. From dust to heavenly man. From sand to stars. Does this help anyone? You see the power of the resurrection message. The gift that comes with our message. Verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Sounds like a good line of a movie, doesn't it? How many movies are based on the search for immortality? Why was COVID such a fearful experience for many? If you break it down to the bone, it's because they don't want to die. I mean, if we die, we're going to be with Jesus, so I think it'll be easier. There's struggles in this life. <laughs> the dust suit doesn't get where the spirit man wants to go always. But at the end of the day, if you're afraid of dying, then you're living in fear. 
But it says here so beautifully that, that we must put on immortality. What does that mean? That you'll never die. Like Paul said, to live here is opportunities for Christ. And we do it full out. But we have our eyes on what is coming. For the joy set before us, we endure. We pick up our cross daily. We live here so that more can hear the message of God. This is getting better, by the way, as we start our descent. Verse 54 says, And then when that which is mortal puts on immortality, and what now decays is exchanged for what will never decay, then the scripture will be fulfilled that says, Death is swallowed up by a triumphant victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is downed. tell you some stories about downing, but let's not do that on a holy Sunday morning, would we? <laughs> if you down something, Jordan can down a bottle of milk. He doesn't breathe. He gulps it down until you... And then he's like... Aah! I'm like, yeah, yeah, but he has no claw. He has no foot claw. All of it is swallowed up in one single sweep, if you will. One swallowed up. So the scripture, this is an Old Testament quote, I think it's of Hosea, Hosea, Hosea 8, I think, is swallowed in victory. Death is swallowed up all at once by a triumphant victory. King James says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, O Hades, hell, place of the dead, Departed souls, where is your victory? Why? Because death with its sting is swallowed up. The place of death is swallowed up. Another thought for another day. 56. The sting of death. So he's asking a question. Death, where is your sting? Okay, now death has a sting. A wasp has a a bay at the angle. So if the bee is swallowed up, the sting is swallowed up with it. See? If a scorpion is swallowed up, its tail goes with it. So now death is swallowed up, and the sting of death is sin. So as death is swallowed up in victory, so sin joins. And despair. I'm going to confirm it for you now. We've already read the verse. Why the strength of sin is the law. It is sin that gives death its sting and law that gives it its power. Now we read it earlier, verse 16. So we, if you're having a Bible or you're scrolling, just scroll up to verse 16. It says, and I'm reading from the voice translation. It says, please listen. If you say the dead are not raised, then what you are telling me is that the anointed one has not been raised, friends. If the anointed one has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is worth less than yesterday's garbage. And you're all doomed in your sins. Verse 17, we've read that your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. When? If death is not raised. If there's no resurrection. He's not speaking about sin, he's speaking about death and life, resurrection. But if there is no resurrection, then we still have our sins. And now at the end of the chapter, he says, oh yeah, by the way, because death has been swallowed up, 
The sting comes with it, and with the sting is sin. Which confirms verse 17. If death is overcame, then sin is also overcame. So he, he puts a very nice hypothesis up front, and then he goes through all this journey, and he quotes the Old Testament, and then he says, oh yeah, but now I'm confirming, which I set out to prove. It's a masterpiece in writing, which I'm trying to convey to you in 45 minutes. You're going to have to do some work yourselves to get it. Verse 18. And all the dearly departed who trusted in his liberation are left decaying in the ground. That's if there's no resurrection. If what we have hoped for in the anointed doesn't take us beyond this life, then we are world-class fools. Deserving everyone's pity. There's got to be more to life than this life. That's the moral of the story. And there is. Because Jesus died in this life, but He was risen from this life. For this life. So that you and I can live forever. Verse 21, Since for death... For since death entered this world by a man, it took another man to make the resurrection of the dead our new reality. I laugh how that's written. For since death entered this world by a man, it took another man to make the resurrection of the dead our new reality. I'm now asking you a question. Is the resurrection from the dead your reality? Are you living after the cross? Because that's your potential. It's not a condemning thought. It's an invitation. Christ is a picture of your potential. Are we living like that? But thanks be to God. Verse 57. So just quoted where we came from and now we're back where we were going. But thanks be to God which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is swallowed up in victory? Death. Where do we get victory? Our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we have victory, is death swallowed up? And with it, the power of sin. Because the law is full. This is amazing. Thanks be not to Peter. Thanks be not to me and my holiness and, and my effort and my trying and my confessing and my repenting. and my No, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. What is it that we were missing? A gift. What is given. So if we do not have the resurrection, we don't have anything that God can give us. But we do. So God is giving us victory. Therefore you are more than a conqueror. Because Christ died. It's got to be more to winning in this life because you've already won. What's the worst thing that happens in a rugby match? Someone breaks their neck. That's the worst thing. What's the second worst thing? You score a try after the whistle is blown. You know what makes it worse? You celebrate like it's a World Cup winning last minute try in the corner and then you're all by yourself where you and the two guys are going to get the whistle. And then you have that moment like with us. How many Christians are living like that? 
They think they're scoring tries to get a victory for God when the whistle has blown and the match has been won and the victory has been given. They're going to come into heaven and be your work. Look at us. I was busy with the wrong things. It's not about me. It's about Him. It's His gift through Jesus, our Lord. And we now live in Him. But we thank God who gave us the victory as conquerors through Lord Jesus, the Anointed One. The victory that swallowed up all of death and its sting. Now, I studied it out for a long time yesterday. You need to take verse 55, 56, 57. We quote them like punches, but it's, it's, a, it's a combination. Where is death? Where is the sting? What is the victory? How do they fit together? If we have the victory, what does it mean? What comes with the package? Go and study it out for yourself and see that. It's really, you need to bring those verses together. And then you can even go back like I did to verse 16 to 19, where it sets us up for what is sin, what is the victory, what is the gift? In reading these verses together, we can see that the victory is the total victory over sin at the cross where we were co-crucified with Jesus. The sting that is removed is the empowering of sin by the law and the law has been fulfilled. So there was a fight for dust men to become heavenly beings. If you're already heavenly, why are you fighting in the dust? We'll take one example. Politics. We do not put our faith in politics. I don't say don't vote. Because the dust fight will continue. But if we merely think that our salvation in this life is going to come from a political party, then we are of all men most miserable. Because we are now joining a dust fight when we're supposed to be heavenly beings. You know what happened to John the Baptist? He lost his head because he got involved in the wrong fight. We are called to live as it is in heaven, so let it be on earth. Let's live victorious. Let's live for more. Let's make a difference, not just for this life, but for life hereafter. Verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Even if it looks like it's not working out on this life, we know there's a life hereafter. Even if people die prematurely, we know that we're going to see them again. Even if we're sad now, we know that our tears will be wiped away. There's got to be more to life. And there is. There's victory. It says, so now, beloved ones, stand firm, stable, and enduring. Live your lives with an unshakable confidence in God and our victory through Christ. We are assured that our union with the Lord makes our labor productive with fruit that endures. And God gets the glory when we bear much fruit. When we make many Christians. There was a seed that came from heaven and died in the dust so that that seed could bear much fruit. So what is the fruit that gives God glory? 
more Christians. Yes, to live with the fruit of the Spirit, obviously. But let that enable you to have open doors to share the gospel, confirmed by power, to see more people come from dust to live in the resurrection power. Won't you stand with me as I read two verses before we sing a last song? I know what I shared this morning is a lot. So just for a moment, just speak to the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, what do you want me to take home? What is it that, that I get that's going to give life? John 12, 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a grain of wheat fall into the earth and die, it abideth by itself alone. Jesus didn't want to be alone. But if it die, it bears much fruit. Same is true for us. If we die to the dust man, then we have the opportunity to bear much fruit in the kingdom. There's more to life. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Disciples of whom? Jesus, the resurrection, the living one, the eternal one, the victorious one, who swallowed up death with its sting. We no longer live as sinners in this world trying to, to deal with sin. No, we are no longer living in this world. We're just visiting here. We're not from the dust. We are now from heaven. So we live in a different realm. But we are here to bring light to the darkness. We are here to bear fruit. We are here to preach and proclaim the good news of our Lord Jesus. The resurrection of Christ. We're here to deliver gifts, if you will. The gifts of eternal salvation. The gifts of the forgiveness of sins. The gifts of the power of the Spirit. The gift of the resurrected Christ. We have resurrection power living on the inside. Not just on Easter Sunday. Every moment of every day. This is Resurrection Day. We're going to celebrate it together for the last time. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.